When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hello and welcome to the political party. Today's guest is Jess Phillips and she is on absolutely electric form. Before we come on uh, to that, just to let you know some future guests. Uh, my next show is on the 22nd of May, so just over a month's time. Monday the 22nd of May is the next live show at the Duchess Theatre. My guest is David Blunkett, an absolute titan of British politics. And of course, and we talked to Jess about this, um, the Labour attack ads and Labour being far more robust on crime now. It'd be great to get his thoughts on that. On the 5th of June, I'm joined a very rare interview with Philip Hammond, the former Conservative Chancellor, obviously served in the cabinets of David Cameron and Theresa May. That will be a phenomenal insight to what on earth is happening to the Tory party. And talking of rare interviews, on Monday the 19th of June, I am joined by a politician whose career has spanned many, many decades and very different eras and has a unique insight into the Labour Party, Dame Margaret Beckett, the first woman to lead the Labour Party. Of course, Labour's never elected a woman leader, but at two points in its history uh, has had caretaker, temporary leaders. Margaret Beckett was the first one. Of course, she stood against Tony Blair for the leadership in 1994 um, and has a phenomenal history in the Labour movement and the Labour Party. That will be a very special evening indeed. And on the 3rd of July, my guest is the comedian Joe Lysett, who, of course, uh, is a comedian, but in his spare time as well, does some phenomenal political activism. So a real mix of guests there. 22nd of May, David Blunkett. 5th of June, Philip Hammond, 19th of June, Margaret Beckett, and 3rd of July, Joe Lysett, with more guests to be announced. On to today's guests. And I mentioned Prime there. We talk about those uh, attack ads on Rishi Sunak that the Labour Party's been putting out. It may not surprise you to hear, Jess Phillips absolutely defends them, uh, robustly and passionately and thoughtfully. And this interview, from the outset, is just so impassioned. And it is electric, it is it just gripping, and Jess is really funny, and there's some really very funny, mad <laughs> side conversations that we have here about um, steamy erotic fiction, her husband's plan for a zombie apocalypse, her reaction to the spitting image sketch that caused a lot of fuss online, and various other things, but underpinning the whole thing is her passion and her stamina and her drive for women's rights and her her relentless ability to be a phenomenal advocate for people who really need a voice in politics. And that inspirational element runs through all of this, and it is just a, a, a thoroughly, thoroughly gripping. So I will shut up uh, and leave you... Well, I was going to say leave you in the hands of uh, Jess Phillips. Of course, in the meantime, uh, as it's um, the fortnightly show at the Duchess Theatre, a bit of stand-up about another bonkers fortnight in politics. What an incredible fortnight it has been in British politics. Uh, topped off today by Rishi Sunak's big speech on maths. I don't know if any of you were lucky enough to watch it. Um, the two things that really strike me about Rishi Sunak when he gives the speech. One 
is a kind of um, inappropriate level of uh, positivity. <laughs> it's inappropriately positive given the record. And, and that comes me on to the second point, which is completely oblivious of his own government's record. It's sort, of, it's sort of offensively chipper when he's describing the problems in this country. And he starts off today, you're like, mate, you can't say it like that. He goes, we are one of the most numerous, uh, we are one of the most illiterate, uh, oh, fuck. <laughs> Very hard to follow. I was educated under a Tory government. Uh, not this one, obviously, but one many, many years ago. Uh, and the legacy still is with me today. He says, uh, the UK is one of the least numerate countries in the developed world. Eight million people don't even have the reading skills of a nine-year-old. But, mate, you make it sound like you're about to launch the new iPhone. Like, this isn't... This is terrible. These are stats. These are facts you should be delivering. Ashen-faced, not full of beans. Should be there saying, we're actually one of the least numerate countries in the developed world. Eight million people can't add up as well as a nine-year-old. We fucked it. I'm sorry. Look, this is 13 years your party has been in charge. And there's, like, no sense of shame. doesn't address it at all during the speech. Or the underlying reason might be the fact that we got rid of the numeracy hour and the literacy hour. Maybe these policy decisions have led us. But it's all out there. He has just descended from planet Rishi and discovered all these problems and he's in a really good mood trying to sort them out. I mean, there was an element of that. You're like, mate, this is so dire. Eight million people in this country after 13 years of your government can't even add up to the average age of a nine-year-old. I mean, that is... It's just, you can't deliver that news in a good way. I, I, I hope Rishi Sunak never has to deliver actual bad news. It's about your dad. He didn't make it. <laughs> Tone it down, Rishi. It's not appropriate for the information that you're giving me. But there's a bit in it where he goes... Uh, I mean, quite apart from anything else as well, the Tory party is in no position, not just in terms of their records, no position at all to lecture the rest of us on numeracy, right? Eight million people in this country can't add up even to the average skills of a nine-year-old. They made three of them chancellor. <laughs> the other eight million are ideal targets of party membership. Absolutely no way they should lecture the rest of us on, on numeracy. But there's a bit in it where they always try and make out it's nothing to do with government policy. There's something bigger going on here, guys. Have a big... And at one point he says, but there's a cultural problem as well, isn't there? Right? You know, when I started saying that I wanted more kids to do A-level maths, my two daughters weren't delighted. And that's a thing, right? Uh, yeah, because they're kids, mate. No one wants to do more maths, right? That's not like a big problem. He sort of reckons he's hit upon a thing here. And he goes, let's be honest, we've all been in conversations where someone said, well, I'm not good at maths. And everyone has laughed. I'll be honest with you, I've never had a conversation like that. Not that I can recall. I, can, I don't think I've ever been in a conversation where someone said, well, I'm not good at maths. And everyone has laughed. I don't think I've been in a conversation. I can't actually remember any of my mates ever saying it. If they had, I'd struggle to recall if anyone had laughed, <laughs> let alone everyone. And he makes it, he says this point twice. Let's be honest, it's a cultural problem. People say I'm not good at maths, and we all laugh. <laughs> Rishi, I don't know what you and your mates get up to, mate. This is not what makes the rest of him coming in after a wild night out with the lads. <laughs> oh, God, darling. Sorry I'm back late, but oh, my God, the boys are such a hoot. At one point, Sebastian said, well, I'm not good at math. And we cracked up. And then Edgar said, is that like science? I almost cacked myself. <laughs> Sorry, the bubble tea's gone to my head. Incredible the stuff that that bloke finds funny. And what he thinks, the, also on what level? I was trying to struggle to think, like, on what level would you be in a position where if someone said, 
well, I'm not good at maths. Everyone would laugh. Everyone. Not a single person in this scenario doesn't laugh. Maybe, and I've really struggled to think of a scenario, if you went out for dinner with Pythagoras and <laughs> at the end of the night, you're all a bit tipsy, he divvied up the bill and he got it wrong and he said, well, I'm not good at maths. <laughs> you might laugh out of a mixture of sort of irony and sycophancy, but apart from, I mean, mainly you'd think, what the fuck is Pythagoras doing here? Was there not a more contemporary mathematician I could think of? No. No, there wasn't. My God. And then he goes, I mean, some of the things he says, and it's a classic, it's sort of like the legacy of the modern Tory party. He says, we have got to change this anti-maths mindset. Mate, what are you talking about? They're trying to turn maths into like the next culture war issue, the anti-maths coalition. They don't want us adding and subtracting, dividing and multiplying because they hate maths and they hate our way of life. There is no anti-maths mindset. People just don't like doing homework, mate, because they're normal people. Fuck me. I got so angry watching this speech. Um, and then he goes, oh, man. And it's like, there is something really patronising about just... If you're Prime Minister, I think there's something deeply patronising about just having discovered stuff. Was getting, you know, there are ways to get kids into maths. You know, I met a teacher today who uses, you know, figuring out the angles of free kicks to get kids into it. <laughs> mate, right, a number of things here. One... If a maths teacher at school said, right, today we're going to do a different lesson. Let's have a look at Kevin De Bruyne's goal from the weekend. We're going to figure out the trajectory of the ball. Every kid would be like, all right, this is cool. That's cool for one lesson. <laughs> at the end of that lesson, we go, okay, that's the end of the football one. Next week, algebra. Oh, fucking hell, sir. <laughs> also, don't engage kids with football. Not in the modern era. Like, everyone's got too much of an opinion on it. Okay, today, kids, we're going to study trajectory and velocity by looking at Kevin De Bruyne's goal at the weekend. Now, what can someone tell me about the angle he's at? What's that? Greedish is offside. Don't worry about that. It's fine. No, no. Well, VAR didn't pick it up. Well, they should have. Well, that's not the point anyway, is it? Look, what do you mean they only go use it against the big teams? It's not the point. Just look at the body shape. Be an absolute nightmare trying to do it with kids. And it is. Teachers have been doing this for years. My A-level history teacher did it with, like, the Roman army and, and Man United's 442. Actually, it wasn't A-level. It was um, year seven. <laughs> Very hard, actually. It was... Uh, but my history teacher, he came in and he'd done... Uh, Man United, he was a Man United fan. He'd done 442 on the, on the board. And it was about Roman army movements on the battlefield. Now, I don't know whether that was true or not, but the one thing I remember was him saying, it's not the man on the ball that's the danger, it's the man in space. Don't look at skulls, look at gigs. Because skulls is going to draw you wide and basically you're going to burn down the watchtower and gigs is going to seize <laughs> your family, which turned out to be true. <laughs> in a way that we, I don't think he really quite appreciated back in the summer of 1993. But uh, the collapse of the SNP... And, I mean, we should say this at the start, obviously. The police investigation into the SNP's uh, financial management is ongoing. And um, seeing the police turn up at Nicola Sturgeon's house, obviously a huge moment of drama. Um, I don't want to be like a party pooper, but you might expect me to say this, given um, the nature and the tone of the show, that um, whatever else is going on, I think we should all accept that there are human beings involved. And I would like to say, hand on heart, watching this, I do think it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> it couldn't have happened to a nicer group of people. I can't get enough of it. I'm like, they've seized a motorhome. What the fuck is going on up there? So I said, like, so Nicola Sturgeon resigns, and then there's like a police tent outside her house. You're like, have they killed somebody? I haven't seen salmon for about a fortnight, have they? Police in hazmat suits in her garden, probably looking for the economic case for independence. 
calling the forensic unit. It's taken him eight years, still no sign of it. Dig up the garden, maybe it's in there. My God. And then the details. The fact that a motorhome bought by the party for 110 grand was left outside Nicola Sturgeon's mother-in-law's house for two years. Never used by the party. You're like, this is like a weird hybrid of Taggart and Bullseye. <laughs> There's been a murder, but you've won a lovely motorhome and kettle and toaster set. Well, really, the main beneficiaries of this are, are, are um, the, uh, the manufacturers of the, of the, uh, the motorhome. They're called Niesman and Bischoff. And uh, it, the, the particular model is the Niesman and Bischoff Ice Move. And uh, I Googled it, because sometimes you think, sometimes the devil's in the detail. And you know, um, like, motor manufacturers will have taglines. We're like, Peugeot, the drive of your life. The tagline for this specific model, and Google it when you get back, if you type in the Niesman and Bischoff Ice Move on their website, the slogan for this vehicle is, breaking all the rules. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I just say, guilty as sin. <laughs> Who knows where this all ends? Sturgeon could go to prison. Imagine that. Obviously a male prison, it's what she would have wanted. <laughs> <sighs> Of course, someone else who's... Uh, oh, no, no, crikey, how can I forget the Labour attack ads on Rishi Sunak, which have been uh, one of the funniest developments in the last few weeks. You may have seen the Labour Party's attacking the Tories' record on violent crime and sexual crime, and they put out an advert saying, uh, <laughs> do you think adults convicted of sexually abusing children should go to prison? Rishi Sunak doesn't. Um, and uh, the stat underneath is that 4,500 people, adults, convicted of child sexual offences since the Tories came in in 2010, have not gone to prison. Now, this has gone down uh, not very well in some Labour circles, better in others, um, and uh, watching Labour politicians try and defend it's been very funny. So I think if you're going to put it out there, you've got to defend it. Lucy Powell was on uh, the telly at the weekend on, on BBC Breakfast, been interviewed by Nagamonchetti, and it's not the thing of... Do you agree with this uh, attack? I said, well, look, I didn't make it. Um, I, 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 look, it's making a point. It's maybe not the way I'd have done it. I just, just stand behind it. I don't like pedos, Nagger, do you? <laughs> no. Well, Rishi Sunak does, right? I don't, and that's the end of it. Stormer says they're going to double down. You're like, where do you go from pedos? <laughs> do you think people who bum dogs should go to prison? <laughs> Rishi Sunak doesn't. I think you should really get in. I think you should just constantly just get it in there. Will the pedo lover? Sorry, the prime minister. <laughs> really get in his face about it. Because this is the problem with it. The, the, I guarantee you, the people who are most offended are Labour people. And you're like, if this is the government's record, you have to be muscular in attacking it. Every other political party in this country is really muscular in the way they attack their opponents. Only Labour people go, oh, I, I know. I know they've let 4,500 pedophiles go free, but do we really have to put it like this? <laughs> Couldn't we just, no, 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 I'm just spitballing. Maybe, couldn't we just say, look, hey, guys, like, I know that, like, prison probably doesn't rehabilitate paedophiles or sexual offenders. I don't know what, like, the phrases they do. But um, <laughs> could we just say, like, they are bad? Like, on the whole, I think, maybe as a result of their upbringing. Don't want to get into that. But, like, um, <laughs> like, they're bad guys, sort of. And, like, we could do something. Like, we definitely do want to do something about it. But, like, guys, like... <laughs> Call them pedos, lock them up, and that's the end of it. Like, getting all fucking soft about it is really fun. John McDonnell, of all people, says, this is, do we really want to sink this fight? He said, are we the Labour Party? Are we better than this? To which the answer obviously is, no. <laughs> no, 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 we're not. No, 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 we're going to go after the government for letting 4,500 dangerous people avoid prison. I think it's perfectly legitimate to go for it. So many other politicians, the SNP's John Nicholson, said, this is nauseating. Politics has sunk so low, he said, poking his head out of a police tent outside Nicholas Sturgeon's <laughs> home. 
My God. <laughs> but of course, I'm not the only person who can't get their words out this week. Joe Biden was in Ireland, and uh, if you've not seen the footage of him in Ireland, oh my God, it is an absolute joy. Firstly, he, he gets off Air Force One. I don't know if you've seen the footage of him arriving in Ireland, and he comes down the steps, and there's a problem because Rishi Sunak is there to greet him, but you can't see Rishi Sunak on the news because he's shorter than the car. So there's a car in the way, just see Biden get down the steps. It looks like he shakes hand with a car. <laughs> what the fuck was that about? What an amazing comedy double act these two guys are. A senile president and a prime minister who's too short to be seen. What did I come into the room for? To see me. Who said that? <laughs> Laurel and Hardy for 2023, these guys. But of course, the... Um, Rishi Sunak desperately, of course, trying to latch himself onto Biden. It looks, he looks too happy to be there. That's why, whatever you think of Tony Blair, he knew how to act in every scenario. If he was sat opposite Biden, even in like the corner of a tea shop in Belfast for the three measly minutes he was given, Blair was really good at that kind of, yeah. Hi. Uh, great to be here with Joe. So, Joe, hi. Rishi's there like, hi. Oh my God, do they do marshmallows? I might get one. Oh fuck, was that my three minutes? No. What a phenomenal guest we have this afternoon, this evening even. Um, so, this evening's guest, I think has, fuck off. We've got so much prep I have to do for these things. No one knows the, the pain behind the creativity of doing silly voices for 20 minutes. But um, tonight, uh, a guest who I think uh, has been on the show more than anyone else, and there's a reason for that. She's one of the most charismatic politicians uh, in the country, one of the most forthright, intelligent, impassioned, just an all-round megastar. She's only been an MP for eight years, which is incredible given how dominant she has become in our public life. You're going to absolutely love her. Please raise the roof for Jess Phillips. <laughs> All right. So, Jess, um, do you think pedos should be locked up? <laughs> Unequivocally, yes, I do. Uh, and I'm fine with the advert. Uh, I, I would have gladly defended it, but I'd done the morning round the day before, and so I'd got up at 5am. And I'd actually been... The, the, the data that it was based on, I'd been saying it all over the news... Uh, already, and then I was a bit like, "Is everyone bitching and moaning about? It's all right." Like I, I, I suppose if I'm angrier than that ad at, at Rishi Sunak, that doesn't express. It's not hard enough for me, actually. Um, and so when I had uh, like you know people on Twitter saying that this was terrible and things. Uh, to me, I'd spent the day that day filling out uh, PIP, so uh, personal independence payment, disability payments, um, for a, a young woman. She's 21, and I'd spent all day uh, helping her fill it in because she just literally does not have the capacity or bandwidth to fill it in for herself. She was abused by... This is not very light, I'm afraid. Um, she was abused um, by a relative, a, along with three other girls, uh, when she was 10 years old. Um, she came forward, she was, for three years, she came forward at the age of 13 to the police. Um, and she's now 20 and has waited seven years for her perpetrator to face justice. The entire time, 
this man walks around the streets of the city that I live in amongst children, completely without any limitation on his life. I'm fucking furious, actually. The situation where there isn't enough judges, there isn't enough courts, there isn't any probation officers left anymore, there isn't anyone being charged, our state systems are reliant entirely just to clean up the mess of a broken system so that we're having to pay disability payments to a kid who's got arrested development while she waits seven years to put a rapist away. Those attack ads don't go far enough. Works for the great evening, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> Please, you know, so when, I don't know if you've had local members say to you, oh, these... These ads are a bit too tough. Has anyone said to you? Oh, uh, I've had one person from my constituency get in touch with me uh, who is a local member, who is a lovely and decent, kind human being. And I can understand why they, uh, they uh, feel that way. Um, but, you know, like, we just don't agree. I just... Um, I, I don't agree. And the reason that um, it has to be hard-hitting is because it isn't by accident that those, you know, there will be some cases within those cases, as somebody who's worked in this field for decades, there will be some cases of mitigation in, in court cases and, and um, aggravation, etc., that have led to those being the sentences. But there is a directive from the Secretary of State for Justice, one Mr Dominic Raab, um, saying, don't put as many people in prison. And you know why? Because there isn't any places for people to go to prison. There isn't any safe accommodation. There isn't actually any probation officer. So, yeah, like, I, I just... They've broken the system. Own it. Own it. Like, it's your failure that this happened... Own it. That's my attitude towards it. I'm so cross. I'm so cross. And Rishi Sunak has never sat with a, a kid and helped her fill in her pip. He's never, he's literally never filled that form in with one of his constituents, ever. Let alone a kid who's waiting and is so anxious and depressed and cannot leave her house or fill in forms because of the trauma that she has suffered. Yeah, like, I don't... I, Cry me a fucking river. <laughs> People might say, though, look, there's this... <laughs> there's the government record, but saying that Rishi Sunak doesn't think that people convicted of sexual offences should go to prison maybe bends that message a bit, maybe personalise it in a way okay, that isn't... Well, well, it, it, what I would really like it to inspire, then, in Rishi Sunak is for him to stand in front of a podium that says, stop the rapists. Because we, if he really cares about it... He would be doing like I am doing, stretching every single muscle of every single day of my life to improve rape charging and child abuse charging. So if he really cares about it, stop just chasing headlines, flower, and crack on. Um, and yet instead, he's not. Do you think that Richard... He's been talking about fucking maths. <laughs> <laughs> maths. Why does he say it like that? Maths. Maths. Look, I think... Yeah, sure. I mean, I think... You know, you make a good point. And, uh, yeah, uh, you know what? I think we should stop the rapists. Yeah. <laughs> I, I 
quite imagine Rishi Sunak thinks that rapists and child abusers should go to prison, and so he should be making sure that that is happening. Instead, he has a Secretary of State for Justice who also has the dual job of being the Deputy Prime Minister, and he, so, you know, I'm going to argue we can't really focus on the one that is, you know, stopping the rapists from going to prison. Um, and he, you know, where is... I've seen no efforts on the part of Rishi Sunak's government to, you know, like, even... I mean, I've, I've literally never spoken to Dominic Raab in my life. That's not true, actually. I'd like to correct the records as soon as is available to me. Uh, I once was on Mar with him uh, just before I was on, and he just went... That was it. Uh, so that was the level of conversation, slight inhale. Um, but he's the Secretary of State for Justice. When Robert Buckland was the Secretary of State for Justice, um, and, you know, he's a Tory just as much as the next Tory, um, but he would, I would meet with him, like, every other week um, because he cared about it and he knew that I cared about it and he saw the value in allying with me to try and find the pitfalls that I was going to throw in his face, maybe. But he, he worked with me because I know what I'm talking about. Um, and, yeah, Dominic Raab wouldn't dare. <laughs> literally, literally wouldn't dare. He's very sweaty. Dominic Raab is? Yeah. Well, always, I, I don't think... Not, 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 not in his body, but it's like his face has always got a slight sheen. And what what is your kind of um, I don't like know a hangover you... sweat specifically? Okay, because <laughs> he's obviously he's pretty shredded. We know that he does judo and oh, does he? Well, oh, he certainly did... used to do karate. Ooh, a bit like Putin. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> but there's that photo of him, isn't there? Like sort oh, of muscly there? and his... oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I've not been looking on that bit of the internet. Yeah, he's kind oh, of got I'll like get on it now, tight though. blue vest and like short shorts and sort of almost because. Um, but I know what you mean, but he's got that sort of fitness thing going on, hasn't he? So, for those of you that haven't seen the Dominic Raab picture, um, <laughs> it was when he was standing for the leadership of the Tory party, he, um, he was in like a rowing club, but I think it was almost a sort of karate club. He was small head and like big body, like um, a body that was out of proportion with his, with his head, but now I think he has slimmed it off a bit. But I got the impression that he exercised a lot. So if he does have this hangover sheen, we're going to come back to Jess on this. Uh, if he does have a hangover sheen, I think he's working out and he's then boozing at the same time. Oh, yeah. So you see, he's, he's not overweight, is he? He looks quite physically fit. Oh, no, fit. he's not overweight, no. He's got the, you know, for a while, there was, I think there was a competition in the cabinet, unwritten or not, unspoken or not, but they were definitely trying to sort of... I think Rishi and Rob were kind of competitively losing weight against each other. They're, they're quite a lot of them have slimmed down of late. I've sort of noticed, thing I've noticed there's... Even amongst all of them, there does seem to have been a slimming down since the Boris days. <laughs> <laughs> it's the uh, CEO body, they call it. Oh, do they? So, like... Is it a man's body? I think it's like captains mm. of industry. The must-have accessory now is, like, the perfect body rather than like an iPad or a scale trick or whatever these stuff. <laughs> but now it's like... Table, tennis tables for a while, wasn't it? Like, yeah. you know, all those places where you had to have like a pod in your office. Oh, fucking hell. And skittles. Nerf guns. Nerf guns, that so sort of shit. Have you ever had that in your office? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kids have probably left a Nerf gun or two in there over the years, but no, not, no, no we don't have any... Uh, sort of executive toys. And also, I have a woman's body, so where does that fit in the CEO's body? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Who, who, who would we ask on Dragon's Den? <laughs> Deborah Meaden. Deborah Meaden, of course, yeah. I don't know. I just, I think it's like a Stephen Bartlett thing. I don't know. 
I'm not a CEO, and I don't have a CEO's body. I think so you're right, though. I just, I just hear snippets the, on podcasts. The idea that you've um, you've like been out and played squash, and then got to the office, and like you've been on your peloton in your morning <laughs> meeting. Yeah, I can imagine Rishi Sunak. Oh, he's got a pool. I know he's got about four. Uh, he's got a pool, so he's imagine he's swimming in the pool uh, before he comes. <laughs> Paddling to, in the pool. Paddling in the pool with yeah. a little um, arm He'd band. Have to. He'd have to. Although Daddy, it's deep. He would only need a. Sh- he would only need a very shallow pool. So. <laughs> Just like one of those warm kids' pools that's too hot. <laughs> hot with wee. Rishi's, oh, yeah. uh, Rishi's little wee-filled splash pool. The must-have for every billionaire. Um, so you think Dominic Raab then? So all I've said is I think he's physically fit. So okay. then if he does have the hangover sheen, yeah. that's... He's working out, he's working hard, but he's playing hard as well. I suspect so. Um, I don't, I've got no basis for this and I don't wish to be held accountable for anything. <laughs> Actually, that would be a great court case. It'd be like the Vardy thing again, wouldn't it? <laughs> Rather for Christie. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he always, and he often, uh, during the budget recently, which was the longest speech in the history of budgets ever, um, he was falling asleep the entire time, that, to the point where I was saying to Penny Morden across the, the gangway, um, I was saying, he's falling asleep, give him a nudge, like that. <laughs> uh, and uh, she was looking at me like I was taking the piss, like she was sort of annoyed at me, and then she realised... I was trying to be helpful. And then, but then it would have been too obvious, so I just tweeted, Dominic Raab's asleep. <laughs> and wh- why do you think he was nodding off? Did you not have it was moment? boring. <laughs> yeah, everyone else had as well. He's yeah. actually the last no, one away. I mean, but he was nodding off from the get-go. Don't He's, know. Just, he was like that, proper, like, doing the nod out. Are there any of the opponents on the front bench at the moment that you get on with? Obviously, like Robin. I get on with. I get on with Penny Morden actually, um, which was why I was trying to do her a solid because she was sat right next to him, and I thought you're going to be in this shot as well, love. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I get on with Penny Morden quite well. Um, this is just a shocking thing, and I hope my dad doesn't listen to this, although he definitely does. Uh, I, I don't not get on with Michael Gove. Get on quite well with Michael Gove. Um, ooh. How well do you get on with Michael Gove? Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> he's never invited me dancing uh, <laughs> north of the border or south. Um, he, what, what I quite like about Michael Gove is he is he's just really he's really uh, he's quite thoughtful. Like he'll stop and chat with you and remember things about you, which is almost certainly. It's very hard not to be cynical isn't it? And just think he's playing 3D chess all the time. And I used to think that they were playing 3D chess until I realised they couldn't play 1D chess. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't think it's because he has any genuine fondness for me. I think it's because he, um, like, you know, he, he's always playing the percentages. Um, but he's, and he, but he's, the thing I, I don't dislike about Michael Gove is that he's not thick. <laughs> He does come across as very bright. Mm, also, yeah, yeah. I, but and, and Rishi Sunak, it's funnily enough. So when, when Rishi Sunak is well briefed, and actually when you go from Boris to Sunak, you you, you have got to be like, oh look, he hasn't just gone. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> My son has started doing that when he's just can't be bothered to talk, just makes noises. He's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. like that's how I want dinner. I was like, what? 
that's a bit Boris. Um, <laughs> but the... Um, so it's sort of like, you know, you get the illusion that Rishi Sunak is intelligent because of that. Because he's like, you know, he's been briefed and he's got an answer and, like, and he's studied. But his whole demeanour is of somebody with literally zero emotional intelligence <laughs> whatsoever. So, like, some of what you were saying about how he, he presents everything as if it's really, really cheerful. But, um, like, the, the best example being the, the homeless man. And um, where, where he said to the homeless man while serving in a soup kitchen, oh, do you work in business? <laughs> like, um, to which the homeless man was like, I'm homeless. Uh, which... <laughs> The homeless man was definitely considerably more intelligent than Rishi Sunak. Um, and I was talking to my brother about it, who was street homeless for, you know, a, a good many years. And he said, the trouble with that is, is that the royal family, who are literally, like, you know, so other to 99% of the... Well, 99.9% .9 of the population would never have made that mistake. They would never have made that mistake. So we have a prime minister who is more out of touch than people who literally believe they've been appointed by God. <laughs> I mean, when you put it like that, yeah. <laughs> maybe a more help, maybe a more sympathetic analysis mm. would be, look, Rishi Sunak, in that scenario, knows that he's a fish out of water. He's just trying, you know, there, yeah. but for the grace of God, politician on screen, on camera, he's just become prime minister. He's at a homeless. At least he was at a homeless shelter. Yeah. At least he was doing that sort of thing. Yeah. He's trying to make polite conversation about you know blue chip companies with multi billion pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who amongst us can honestly say we've never? Do you, do you worry though slightly with the attacks on Sunak from the party that it, it can look a bit? Um, like class envy or class war? Well, people often say this, oh, you're just jealous. And I'm like, hey, yeah, I wish I had diamond shoes. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, the, I, I don't think it, it, it is. Uh, he is so out of touch. And actually, the thing that people know about him, the only thing, and it's unfortunate because it is his name, is that he's rich. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's easy to remember rich Rishi. Um, and yeah, I... No, I don't think it does seem like class envy. I, I was trying to... I was talking to my husband about, um, like, when he was, like, desperate to become the Prime Minister, like, the first time, and he was, like... Then he didn't... He was beaten by a woman who was beaten by a lettuce. Um, <laughs> and then, again, when he wanted to do it, I was like... Oh, God, why does he want to bother? Like, if I had diamond shoes um, I, and, like, was richer than the king, uh, I wouldn't bother, I don't think. Like, because when you don't have, um, you know, when you... when Like, money is aspirational, absolutely. Everybody wants more of it. Like, you know, that, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, but what more can you... Like, I, I can't get into the, the, the mindset of the super rich. And my husband said to me... You, you're trying to judge them by a standard that you understand. But Rishi Sunak isn't just not on the same planet as you. You're not in the same solar system. You don't understand what drives those people because you have never come across them. You are, like, their Game of Thrones, essentially, is... It, you will never be able to understand it. You're, you're trying to judge it from a, from a vantage point that you understand. But my husband, funnily enough, feels sorry for Rishi Sunak in that regard. He says he feels as if that is... It's as much of an isolation. He's like, God, their lives must be so shit. Like, if you can only be friends with other people with yachts, 
Like, what if all the yacht people are twats? They seem to be. Yeah, they do, you know. I think you've got a high likely chance there. Uh, and he's like that, but he, he considers like the super rich to be a little bit like being in like a sort of, um, you know, like a really, like Amish. <laughs> yeah, like they're, they're, they're not, they're, they don't know about the world. Like they don't, they're, they're not, they're not of us. They are separate, and that we can't judge them by our own standards because their culture is so wildly different. Um, so yeah, that's uh, so. I, you know, I feel a bit sorry for him because I bet he's only got twats for mates. <laughs> so let's say something happens, legitimate happens, and you tomorrow wake up with the same personal wealth as the Sunaks, and there's a pair of diamond shoes waiting for you Cannot on your doormat. Yeah. Do you continue to be an MP? Yes. Okay, for how long? Uh, I would continue, probably the same amount of time that I think I'll continue now. I would like to see a Labour government. That would be nice, wouldn't it? To not just beg for things. Well, to just beg Rachel Reeves for them instead of begging the Tories for them. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Um, so, yeah, I would stay an MP. But I would, if I had as much wealth as them, I'd, I, I genuinely, I, I, I don't, I, I just don't need that much wealth. I just want to pay off my mortgage, which Liz Truss has made considerably harder. Um, I'm not even joking. Every single time the woman walks past me, I shout the accumulating amount of money that she owes me. <laughs> We're up to about 17 grand. <laughs> Fucking owe me 17 grand, Liz. Does and, she ever respond? No, she's... Got, she just walks around just with like her security people, which she gets for being the Prime Minister for 20 seconds. Um, but, uh, you know, she proper crashed the economy and it screwed over everybody, even people as affluent as me. Um, but um, who are, I'm, I'm not in the same ballpark as Rishi Sunak. Um, but no, no, I would carry on being an MP, but I just den I genuinely don't want that much money and so what I mean I imagine it all the time like ordinary people imagine being that like being really rich by winning the Euro millions and like I've got like a thing in my head of what I would do if I uh won the Euro millions and largely it is sorting out the deprivation in the place that I represent and live uh and you know building some houses for people that would probably be what I'd do but not being like a rogue landlord though my husband's always like that every time I'm moaning about like people turning houses into exempt accommodation for vulnerable people and then basically like exploiting poor uh people and the taxpayer to make loads of money he's always like sounds good we should do that with the upstairs room <laughs> when they were privatizing prisons he was like that we've got a loft I'm hearing it's 40 grand a year per prisoner. It's like that. I can look after a prisoner. But apart from all the very important, worthy yeah. labour things that you would do... Oh, I do I don't worry, I'd get... Um, what would you treat yourself to? I mean, I wouldn't get a yacht because I'm not good at sea. Um, maybe a canal boat. Uh, what would I treat myself to? It's funny, I read in a really sort of trashy women's magazine once that you should find out if the man you're with is the man you should be with. Um, by asking them if you won the lottery and they, uh, uh, if you both won the lottery, what would your, what, what do you foresee in your future? Um, and I said to my husband, what would you do if you won the lottery? And he said, oh, you'd never see me again. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I'm, I'm out of here, I'm out of here. Oh, what about the kids? He's like that, fuck them. Um, <laughs> 
I'm gone. I don't know where he's going. It's a bit like his plan for the zombie apocalypse is not dissimilar. His plan for the zombie apocalypse, which of course he has, um, is, um, is just kill us all immediately because you can't have emotional ties in the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> I mean, certainly, the first thing is be absolutely sure there's a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, they've just got eczema. <laughs> tool, dress as a clown, tool up and get to the Isle of Wight. That's the rest of the vlog. <laughs> He's an unusual man. But yeah, so what would I prove? I would, I would, I would buy myself um, uh, like houses in other countries. I think, like I would say, like. Why dress as a clown? I don't know. He's read a lot of comic books. Um, I just think he'd think he'd be menacing and that people would leave him alone. He basically wants to be alone because the only point of the zombie apocalypse is to survive. You've got to be the last stander, and he he believes he can do it. He's thought about it a lot. Uh, uh, what, what is it about being married to you that has generated this? <laughs> <laughs> this desire for loneliness. Oh dear, yeah. I mean, luckily, I don't live with him, do I? <laughs> I live here. <laughs> he, was, he said to me the other day, he was like, it's been a long two weeks because we've just got, been off on recess. He was like that. I sleep better when you're not here. <laughs> he is... Uh, if you've not met him, he is... Uh, <laughs> I don't know why you would have. But... <laughs> anyone in here met my husband? <laughs> he... I mean, he is a striking... He is a man's man. He is. He, he is. He, he, he makes me feel like a boy. <laughs> I'm like, I, since I turned 40, I've started referring to my age more. Like, now that I'm 40, I, uh, And I meet Tom and I'm like, fuck, he's a man. <laughs> I'm just like some imp, some boy who does silly boy. You meet him, you're like, oh my God, he's got so much muscle and bone and beard yeah, and is. eyelashes. Mm, yeah, it's a lot. A lot of hair. He really looks great. Yeah. He's fit, like I'll give him that. My, my son once saw a picture of, you know, the iconic, iconic picture of Che Guevara when, we were, when he was like three, and he was like, Daddy! <laughs> I was like, that's not Daddy. I wish that was Daddy. <laughs> not for the politics. <laughs> Talking of striking men, Keir Starmer is... Um... He is quite, he's, quite, he's quite striking looking. And when you see the images of him... When he was young, all pure cheekbones. Yeah, and you know what? The hair on the guy. Oh, God, he's got some height on it, hasn't he? The, it, you, just, obviously, you've assessed Dominic Raab's body at close quarters. We've talked about your husband. Yeah. <laughs> With Starmer, do you think it's product or is that natural no, fitness? Uh, well, my, my husband also, because he just does that a lot, his hair naturally, uh, it's like coarse and it stands... It just does that by itself. He doesn't put any products in it. He does also does not wash his hair with shampoo at all, ever. Uh, and so maybe... zombies can smell it? Yes, yeah, yeah, that's it. They're, they're really into head and shoulders. Um, the, um, yeah, so maybe that's the thing with Keir. I don't think it's product. So I don't does, know. You're saying he doesn't not... wash his hair? I don't, I'm, I'm saying maybe Keir doesn't use uh, shampoo, maybe. I'm not, I'm, I don't know, but I'll ask him next time I see him. I'll just, uh, I mean, I could text him. No? Jeez. He might think that was slightly out of context. If I yeah. sent him a message and said, can I just ask, do you put product in your hair? It'd be sort of weirder if it wasn't out of context. If this was the sort of... <laughs> that me and him oh, Yes, again, asking me what I wash with. Um, but he is, he is a good-looking guy, isn't he? He is good-looking, yep. Um, and he's, he's ageing well and things oh like that. Oh, my God. I can't be... He's old enough to be my dad. 
He's literally old enough to be my dad. I know that seems... I mean, all right, I won't need you to be slightly more shocked by that. Um, and... Uh, the, the, uh, my friend, the MP, Holly Lynch, who actually is here, who is 35 years old, I hasten to add, but does look quite young, a woman at the Christmas market in Westminster thought she was my daughter. She's five years younger than me, six years younger than me. Yes, Keir Starmer's old enough to be my father. He's so, old enough to be Richard He's not Sunak. my father. No. I don't, sure? think, I, don't, well, I, I don't think so. But he's, um, he's old enough to be Rishi Sunak's dad. Yes, Rishi Sunak's the same age as me. Rishi Sunak looks older than you. Oh, thanks. No, but he does, doesn't he? Rishi yeah. Sunak and Keir Starmer, you sort of feel like they're the same generation. Yeah, I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, I can, yeah. I wouldn't say one was 20 years older than the other. No, you... Maybe you, a bit of an age gap, but you're like, oh, my God. He's, inc he's aging incredibly well. And he's... Uh, and Keir Starmer's on the verge of being prime minister, the polls correct, but it looks like the polls are narrowing a bit. Yeah. I don't know if yep. that's just because Labour was so far ahead, Rishi yeah. Sunak's not Liz Truss and not Boris Johnson. <laughs> um, God, that's like not being bubonic plague, isn't it? <laughs> well, it depends what the alternative is. Yeah. <laughs> Syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> Boris is probably over. Anyway, um... It's back on the rise. Someone told me the other day. You are? Syphilis. It's back on the rise. Apparently. That's what. I... And it was a sexual health expert who told me. What Not now, people. man. Not after like COVID. <laughs> Fucking hell. Swine flu, syphilis. Like, oh, man. Anyway. <laughs> let's, because we're not suggesting that Keir's got any. No. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Watching the polls narrow then, because some of them said, oh, Labour were dead ahead and they got yeah. a bit complacent. And... No, I don't, I don't think it's Labour complacency. I think it's, it's uh, the... the, the... In my mind, and also as somebody who does like knock doors in um, uh, all over the country, not just in my own area, um, I always thought that the polls were wildly over um, projecting. Actually, I think it probably, you know, even when we, it was like at one point we were like twenty eight thirty, like at the Labour Party conference, it was just sort of like, oh, are you joking? This is like, I mean, that was Liz Truss Day, but it was like, we were like 90 points ahead or something. <laughs> That's what it felt like. I was like that. This can't be real. Um, but really, I'd say that at the moment, it's like, it, in my mind, it sits at about 15 points at the most it, from the feeling on the ground um, that you get. One thing I'd say that... Um, the thing that narrows it, I think, is probably that Rishi isn't Boris or... Um, uh, 
I've forgotten who the other one was. Trust, sorry, it was so brief. Um, or Liz Trust. Um, but also, um, I, I think it's not the, con the conservative brand is... People hate the government at the moment and they think that they're useless and they desperately want to change. I don't think that the Labour Party has yet done enough to make it so that they want the Labour Party and so that's on all of us. That's not... I hate the way this sort of all gets laid at Keir Starmer's feet. That's on me just as much as it is on um, Keir Starmer. That's on all of us um, to, to get that enthusiasm um, for us rather than against them. Um, but yeah, I, thought, I think it was always going to narrow because it just never felt real. That's like someone giving me a Fabergé egg at Easter or something, isn't it? <laughs> if you were Rishi Sunak, that would just be another day at the mill. Yeah. <laughs> Not another Fabergé egg. Oh, Father, chuck it on the pile with the others. Um, so, I don't know why I said the mill. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what does Labour have to do to... to, to to get that enthusiasm then? Why um, isn't that enthusiasm Well, look, I think that, you know, we, we, we're in this constant state of it, there's going to be an election. Part of the problem is we don't know when the election is going to be. Um, and so, but we, we, there will be an actual build-up to an election and this constant, annoying and irritating criticism of the Labour Party that they have no policy, which is absolutely not true. I have personally written reams and reams of policy in my particular policy area. And I'm, it's not like that I'm just a good girl. Uh, I'm not. I'm one of the, you know, definitely have the homework in late sort of person. Um, but like there's reams of Labour Party policy. Um, and I, but the directly, exactly how that's going to be delivered of course, that's going to come before an election and not before. And so there is this sort of like, everybody in the country is going a little bit like, OK, they're done for now. Like the country, it's almost as if like, oh, God, can we just have an election? Which is a move from recently, isn't it? When everyone was like, can we just stop having an election? Um, and I just think that people are sort of expecting us to be in campaign mode now. Um, and I think that that's a bit naive, actually, uh, to expect that. So, but I think that the Labour Party has got to set out a clear and principled hope for the future that is, but and also an honest, and I think it, it will and it is, um, an honest assessment of what can be achieved and when, because we cannot, all that is wrong at the moment, I mean, literally, can you think of a single thing that is better than it was 10 years ago? The answer is no. Everything is so broken. The idea that just a Labour government means that suddenly you're going to be able to get a passport or book your kid a driving test or see a doctor or not die prematurely, um, like, that's going to take time. And I think that that's quite hard. That's quite hard message to land with, both, with optimism. So, you know, I, I don't underestimate how difficult it is to be really positive in a literal bin fire. <laughs> like, you know, you tell me, how much of an optimist are any of uh, the people here that, like, I'm going to stand you in a bin, set it on fire, and you've got to tell me what's good about it. And that's your plan to win people over. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's hard. And I, I personally think that, being really honest, like, I sit down with the... I'm sort of a poacher-come-gamekeeper in my position. 
making policy around violence against women and girls because I was the person who fought for that policy uh, before I was a member of parliament. So I know all of the sectors so well. We're like a family, like, you know, we're really... And I keep saying to them, when we're in government, I'm just, I'm so worried that you're just all going to just think I'm a terrible disappointment. Um, but I, I like to get in there early. Uh, but, um, like, because it's hard. It is hard, and it's going to be hard. And so it has to be about what you can achieve in 10 years' time, not in the first 100 days, which the last Labour government got to do, the big first 100 days shit. And we're not going to get to do some of that because they, they didn't just, like, you know break the vase, they smashed it into tiny smithereens, snorted it, <laughs> gobbed it in your face, and then told you to be fucking grateful. They're talking to Michael Gay. <laughs> <laughs> but you stood for the leadership, obviously, a few years ago. Like, yeah. the, the, things have happened so quickly in the Labour Party and in British politics in general. Do you look so at... tiring. Keir leading the Labour Party with, you know, with the poll leads, and uh, do you look at him with envious eyes? God, no. <laughs> do you think it's the worst job in the country, isn't it, being the leader of the opposition? But you wanted and, it for a bit. Oh, yeah, no, and, but, well, no, I want to be the Prime Minister. Um, <laughs> being the leader of the Labour Party's got to be what one hell of a gig. I mean, broad church and half. I mean, you can't please anyone, can you? So, um, no, I, I think it's a hard thing to do. Um, I don't look at him with envy. I look at him um, and wish that we could do more, I think, to help him and make sure that the Labour message is landing. I feel, like, responsible as if it's as important for me and I, I'm just not sure that that sort of like Avengers assemble <laughs> it's, yeah is you know we're not quite we're not quite there yet and I just I, I just want to which who, who's the leader of the Avengers Iron Man yeah Tony Stark Tony Stark yeah I'm sure he'd really Tony want Tony Stark yeah, Tony yeah. Stark <laughs> um yeah I just yeah I, I think that it's on all of us actually to elevate him more. So no, I don't. I don't. I don't feel envious of him at all. I feel um, indebted. Who'd have thought that we'd be where we are? Nobody. He must be some sort of magician. <laughs> no, honestly, I mean, he has turned it around. I mean, I would never have predicted this ever in a million years. Um, and so, yeah, take my hat off to him. And he doesn't get anywhere near enough credit. For some reason, people love to hate him, like, in the commentary at, like, it isn't... It really, really pisses me off, that does, actually. Uh, he's a really, really decent bloke. And I hate the idea that, like, he doesn't get... You know why he doesn't, take he doesn't get credit? It's because he doesn't take credit. He's not like me. I'm a massive show-off. <laughs> and I want everybody to love me, and I'm desperate. Uh, <laughs> and he's not like that. And so he doesn't sort of manufacture the praise that I think he des rightly deserves for massively turning around the fortunes of the Labour Party, which was about to die. Well done, Keir Starmer. Maybe I should be his hype man before he goes on. Well, if, if it was the Avengers... Yeah. I mean, he'd be Thor, Claus Thor. But would... Um, 
Which one would you be? Um, are the Guardians of the Galaxy, they're in the Avengers, aren't they? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'd be either Star-Lord or Rocket. I love Rocket. Or Is that Groot? the raccoon? Groot. Yeah, the raccoons. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. The Groots. Groots. <laughs> just a big tree. Um, I t- the Guardians of the Galaxy are my favourite uh, Avengers films. So, uh, yeah, I'd be um, Star-Lord or, um, yeah, Rocket. Rocket's the best character, I think, so... And what about for, like, the more, I mean, that's quite niche. What about, you know... For oh, people, sorry, for the mainstream. For the mainstream. Oh, sorry if you don't have... Uh, nerds. If over the last uh, 15 years you haven't, you know, evacuated your womb of sons. For you... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have seen so many of those films. Uh, well, Tony Stark's an arms dealer, and I don't feel like my father would be pleased with that. Um... As a rule, uh, so well, I don't like Captain America either. Um, Hawkeye—that's a bit, still a bit niche. Yeah. We're talking you Spider-Man's your Batman. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, Spider-Man. I'll be Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man. Batman. Are you fucking kidding? Why not Batman? Oh my God! You should be ashamed of yourself. Wrong fucking people. Oh, well, yeah. uh, Justice League. Justice League. Yeah, pulled it back. You didn't. <laughs> DC, Marvel. There's a reason I know a lot about the zombie apocalypse. I'm married to an absolute geek. <laughs> he'd, have, he'd have walked off and you'd have felt even more like a small boy. So, Spider-Man. I like Spider-Man, yep. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I like that he's a bit geeky. He loves his aunt. So, family values. And also... <laughs> family values, yep. Yeah, yeah. And the great Blairite slogan of Spider-Man... Is with great power, power comes, comes great, great responsibility. responsibility. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that. I do think that. Yeah. I always think when one thing I really hate about politics is this idea that having a representative or and a good one. And I, I'm going to blame the Lib Dems for this a little bit because uh, they claim that they filled in every pothole, even though they never filled in a single pothole. Um, they just stood by a photo of a pothole that had been filled in uh, by, you know. A, a council road worker. But I hate the way that people assume that if they ask for something, that they should be able to have it without having to do anything to get it. And so I will... Often people think that if they come and moan to me about something... That, and, and there are situations where I've got a fancy letterhead and that helps. And so that means that, you know, I will write off to the council or write off to the Home Office um, and say, you know, this is not OK. And, and, and that is how the system sort of works in that bit of advocacy. But, like, when people are like, well, the, you know, there's littering on my street or antisocial behaviour or this, that and the other, and I say, OK, me and you, we're going to go up and down and we're going to talk to all the residents here and try and find a solution. And they're like, oh, I'm not doing that. And I'm like that. But you think, oh, I should do that. Like, you live on this street. You, let's do it together. I'm not saying... Like, the idea that I'm some sort of silver bullet, I'm not. I'm here to capacity build so that things can be done better. But I do expect people to pull their finger out a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a big... I'm definitely Spider-Man. <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility. Or with no power comes some responsibility to try and get some power to change the thing. <laughs> Slightly less catchy. <laughs> I'll put that on the front of my podium. So, as well as the hard work that you've done on policy, as well mm-hmm. as being an MP and a, a shadow minister, you also, you've written a couple of books, you've got a podcast, yeah. yours sincerely, Jess Phillips. 
is it important to you to, to have... And obviously, in that space, you're still doing the stuff that you're doing as a politician. It's not like you're writing or no, producing no, no. stuff that's... I'm not doing bodice rippers, although my husband was like, you should, they sell. Bodice rippers? Yeah, you know, a bodice ripper, that's like a sexy book. Is it? Have you never heard that term? I've, no, I've, I've, I've never heard the phrase bodice ripper in my life. It's like a sort of, like, historic romp. Or like a Jilly Cooper type thing. Oh, Jilly Cooper's quite contemporary. If only you could, I could ever reach the highs of the brilliance <laughs> of Jilly Cooper's books. And are these the books you like to read? My friend suggested. No, I do read Jilly Cooper books. But um, my, 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 when I was asking my friends what I should call my last book, which is about being an MP, they all sent me, like, very, very badly photoshopped images of... Uh, they wanted it to be called whipped, exclamation mark. <laughs> as if it was Jilly Cooper. The other suggestion was members only. <laughs> They, they wanted me to write a sexy book about Westminster. You should! And the, the image that my friend Jess sent me of whipped, <laughs> exclamation mark, a sexy bodice ripper about Westminster, no, they're all on the cutting room floor, but one day that will happen, yeah. But no, I write about politics. <laughs> but but do, do you think you have it in you to write a bodice ripper? Yep. <laughs> and have you ever thought even vaguely about plot or characters? Oh, yeah, 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 you know, I have thought about... I've thought about a variety of different um, non... Uh, sorry, fiction books I would like to write about Westminster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I have. And, <laughs> and are they, you know, it, would it be a kind of, you know, a sort of dashing, posh Tory guy? Oh, I mean, like, so a sexy... I mean, I could write a sexy Westminster book. I mean, it's literally like paint by numbers. Come on. So how would it go? I mean, have you never read any erotica? No! <laughs> What's wrong with you? I read football programmes and autobiographies. <laughs> All I read is politics books and, like... Have you uh, read... There's a bit of shagging in Harry's uh, autobiography. You, I'm reading that at the moment. It's terrible. I haven't got to the shagging bit yet. It's not good shagging. Oh, is this with the older lady yeah. in the field? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the level of detail you get. No, no, you know, build-up to, you know, heaving chest. <laughs> sweat plays a massive part in it like often water and moisture you, I mean come on it's paint by numbers I've never read these sorts of books you see so you've never read a book with a sex scene in it I mean, come on I must have I must have, you I, must must have. have. I, must have. I read Tony Blair's autobiography <laughs> <laughs> I've never read erotic fiction Oh, well, I mean, I'm not actually thinking of writing an erotic Westminster okay. book. I'd rather write... A, 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 I would quite like to write a book about um, a, a cleaner, a bit like Goodwill Hunting, uh, who is actually making all the laws, uh, like, yeah, in Westminster, because I'm quite good friends with them. So often I'm in late, and uh, there's a lovely man who comes in to empty my bins. Um, is that erotic? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 101 body stripper. <laughs> Empty the bins. I can't even think what that would be anymore because I am also over 50 and I can't got the imagination anymore. Um, but over 50? The, over 40, sorry. <laughs> over 40. I just had my over 40s check. I've got high cholesterol. I'm gutted. Anyway. Um, Do you want to talk about it? Well, I'm, I genuinely am like, I'm only eating oily fish now and oats. That's all I eat. I had porridge for breakfast, salmon, mackerel, I've eaten today. And then another person said to me today, you should only eat one fish from the sea a year. I can't keep up. Yeah, it's like the Daily like Mail. You're... One day red wine. No, not red wine. Chocolate. Have two pieces of chocolate. Don't eat any chocolate, it'll kill you. But they make it sound like you're on the beach like a castaway, just like eating the fish <laughs> out of the sea. Yeah. 
If you cook it, it's more than one, but if you just eat it out of the sea... I've got to say, I didn't know whether mackerel and salmon was in the sea. I, I'm I, from Birmingham. I've got no idea. I think salmon can no be idea. both. Do you know what? <laughs> I'm allergic to fish, so I'm kind of exempt. Oh, God, you'd be buggered then if you had high <laughs> cholesterol. You'd have to just eat oats. So, but the, so what's... <laughs> I like Sorry. porridge, though. I do like porridge. Oh, well. So I'll start eating porridge and reading soft porn erotica. So, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. that'll increase my heart rate yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, bring down my cholesterol. So, but I'm, yeah, the idea that, that sort of like the person, the, the cleaner comes in at late at night and just leaves like amazing policy ideas that are like... Because often it's that thing about like when people um, debate about what should replace the House of Lords and... Like, sort of, one of the ideas is like a sort of jury service of ordinary people um, and like having terms and things like that. And I, I actually, I just think that the, the idea that ordinary people come up with good ideas um, is something that I've all, like, everything that we have that is good in the world was actually just come up with by somebody really, really ordinary, like. The weekend was invented by the trade union movement, but and that's like three people in a canteen were like, It'd be nice if we had more than four hours off a week, wouldn't it? Like, you know what I mean? Like, sat around with those glass, those sort of smoky glass mugs yeah. going, We could if we could see our families for more than two days. Like, the weekend's pretty special, and that was just like invented by some fellas in a canteen. Uh, and like the women having the vote was just some people in a dusty church all being like, it's not on, is it really? Um, and I, I, like everything that is good in my life has come from some ordinary person just like saying enough's enough. Uh, and so like, yeah, I like the idea of an ordinary person basically like Spengaliing the government. So I might write that book one day. That is a really good idea. It'd be a great film as well. Oh, that's where the money comes from, mate. <laughs> Already thought about the rights. <laughs> Already, it's either that or filth. So it was, write that first. Somebody else is going to write this book now. Well, you've got the copyright. You can. Th this will be dated. You'll be able to. This will okay. be cited in evidence in okay. future proceedings. Okay. Yeah. I'll back you up. Thank you. For a cut. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, stick, I'll be in it. I'll, I'll probably be the guy. Yeah, I could be the cleaner. I could be the. I'll, I'll empty your pants. I'm in um, one of. <laughs> I, I'm in one of J.K. Rowling's books. Uh, because you can't, not the ones that she writes under JK, I'm not, I'm not a wizard. Um, does she write non-wizard ones under yes, her own name? Yes, um, it's... Robert um, Galbraith. Galbraith. Yeah, but under her own name, does she only write wizardy ones? I think so. Yeah. Uh, she came around Parliament and uh, looked around, um, because she, one of the Robert Galbraith books is, has parts of it that are set in Parliament, so she came to... Um, have a look round, and so I'm, you know, I'm thanked in the the thing as well. But also, I think that they come across a character with my name in the book, and also Ian, the doorkeeper, who I introduced her to, and he was like, just really cheekily, like, can I be in your book? And she just said, yeah. <laughs> that is so cool. Because mm -hmm. you featured in various things. Obviously, you featured in Spitting Image. Uh, I did, thanks to you. On TV and on uh, and on the uh, on the stage. On the live show, I loved the live show. Um, it was so good. Because the TV version caused a bit of fuss for a sketch yeah. that you were in. Yeah, it did. Uh, it sort of pissed me off a little bit. Um, not the sketch, actually, didn't... I mean, for a start, I didn't see it. Uh, it's, it's a sort but of... It was on BritBox, no-one saw it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's more that... Um, it, it didn't... People defending me and saying that things are sexist when they're about... You know, that, I'm totally fine with that. I don't mind that at all. Um... 
People assumed massive offence on my part without ever asking me if I was offended, and I wasn't offended um, just because like, life's too short. Um, I hate the idea that people like me get presented as being humorless and uh, because I care, like, because I don't like racism. <laughs> I'm humorless. Um, Boring. Um, <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, I, you know, I think that we shouldn't rape people and I think pedos should go to prison. Um, like, it's, I just think that, like, there was a whole furore about it without my voice in it. And that just pissed me off a little bit because I hate that on behalf of other people. Like, often the thing I don't like about um, when uh, violence against women and girls is used for political ends, which I don't actually think that that, that is what uh, the Labour Party did with Rishi Sunak because it was a record on data, is when um, people's actual lives and are, are cited or people use like that that problem, that sexism, that misogyny, that abuse, just against their opponents, um, because the person who it is actually about is lost in the system, and that nobody actually gives a shit what they think. They're just having a row for having a row's sake. I can't bear. I love a row. I'll cross the road to have a row. Uh, I absolutely fucking love it. I, there's nothing more. I, I'll tell you what, the only person who loves a row more than me is Wes Streeting. And uh, I, I wouldn't normally say that. I'd say I like a row more. But earlier today, I was in a meeting with Wes Streeting and he was expecting people to criticise him about something and they didn't. So he just had the row with himself. <laughs> just because he wanted to say it. Um, which I thought was just absolutely, utterly charming. I was like, like so annoyed that nobody raised it. That he's just going to go, and if anyone's thinking about this, I was like, that. nobody said anything, Wes. Um, but, uh, which I thought was really cute. Right, I, I love a row, but I want a row because of an outcome. I'm not interested in just having a row, and so much of politics at the moment is about having a row, and that's the outcome. That's the end. Like, I will have a row to travel through the row to get to the thing on the other side. Better services, equality. But I don't just like a row for a row's sake. Like, and oh, honestly, so many people's political activism these days is just like, have a row. That's it. It's like, all right, well, that's... Literally, a baby could do that. <laughs> it's just pathetic, and I'm not interested. And, like, all this, this, this the, the sort of... in culture wars that the Tories try to start, like, the idea that they're protecting women, I mean, fuck off. Uh, they only care about women when it's helpful to their headlines. They don't care about the millions they're letting down the, in, with violence against women and girls that they've totally decimated. They don't care that they've made them poorer. They don't care that, you know, the pandemic was harder on women even though they were the workers. They'd clap for them sooner than they'd put their fucking hands in their pockets. Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, when we're good for a row, they'll, they'll use us. That's it. I'm sick of it. Uh, so, yeah, I've got a bit annoyed that people were having a row about me without ever talking to me. Like, why are you having a row? Stop having a row. Focus on something else. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I got blamed for it and I didn't write it. Mm. I, mean, it was a, I remember messaging you because yeah. I was like, oh, my God, people think I've written this thing and I hadn't. But it's just one of those things where you're like, the oh, moment you go on social media, you go, oh, I didn't write it, someone else did. You're like, you just yeah, found it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I never said anything. I just... No. 
I just kept out of it. So I was like, oh my God. I was like, I don't want you, anyway. But you, well, I just said to you, don't worry about it, I'm all right. And I was like, fucking hell, I was having like a breakdown. No, I was fine. <laughs> I mean, that's like... nothing, oh, honestly. No, if people think that's the worst thing that anyone's ever said about me, Jesus Christ alive. I've heard way worse from, like, my dad today. <laughs> he was a great writer on that series. <laughs> really led the line. Um, but, uh, I mean, you mentioned there about, you know, culture wars regarding gender and yeah, issues yeah. of this. Um, Keir Starmer said, and I don't think he meant it as like the definitive statistic, but 99.9% .9 of women don't have a penis, and now Rishi Sunak is saying 100% of women don't have a penis. <laughs> um, I mean, it's going to be a heck of a TV debate. That's <laughs> what it comes down to. But why do you think this has become such a such an issue? Um, I think that there is a genuine problem in. Um... Where two people's not two people, not like if only it was just two people, we could just sit them down and have a chat. Where two groups' rights uh, are, are potentially rub up against each other, and that needs to uh, have a debate about that. That is proper and understanding of that you can't, you you know, like I'm I'm a feminist and have been all all my life, and it is very very hard to have, and it is I'm afraid to say often groups of men telling me what it means to be a woman. I'm a bit like, all right. Uh, thanks for letting me know. Um, so that, you know, I can understand why it got fraught because of that. That's really annoying. Um, and, and dangerous, some of the things that have been sort of suggested. Uh, you know, the, 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 the prisons thing that has sort of so breached into the limelight. Just absolutely, like, you know, seriously, that... Give it some bloody thought. Why is it always women who have to... The trouble with violence against women in our society is that we don't expect a zero base. We expect women to take... We don't expect them to take no violence. We expect them to take some for the team. And that's sometimes what this debate has felt like for women. It's just sort of like, oh, well, you know, you, you are just going to have to, like, tolerate that... You know, there might be some tricky issues like a rapist being put in a prison. Like, that. no, no, I don't have to tolerate that, actually. I don't have to tolerate that. Uh, and it's not wrong of me to say that I don't have to tolerate that. Um, and women are expected to tolerate a certain amount of abuse. Like, you get the first one for free sort of thing. Like, oh, it wasn't that bad when he groped you. Oh, you know, it's not so bad. It's like, well, don't do it. Um, and so I can understand why it got a bit fraught when it felt like nobody was listening to that. Uh, although I've heard some dreadful stuff from the side that I might be perceived to be from as well. But um, I, I genuinely think it's been conf conflicted and made worse by bad faith actors, both on the, you know, in bot factories, but also the, the government, they want to make it an issue. It's funny because I argue all the time for single-sex spaces in women's refuges, and I ask for the law to be made, for example, in the domestic abuse bill, which doesn't say the word woman in it once, and the Tories refused to have the word woman put in it, uh, even though I tried to amend it so it did say women. It doesn't say women in it anywhere, neither does the online safety bill. Um, that... I try to make it so that it's law that single-sex spaces exist, and they said no to that. You know, they're only interested in it when there's a fight to be had. So it's good for them, and they keep it going. It may have... Uh, elements of the debate may... You know, a couple of weeks ago, it said, oh, maybe that's why Nicola Sturgeon left when she did. Oh, God, and it wasn't, now it seems though, like was there it? might be other reasons. 
Um, yeah, that was just, it was just resting on the drive. <laughs> <laughs> what do you make of what's happened? Uh, I just, I, I'm totally flabbergasted. I love it. <laughs> I've loved, it's like a, like a genuine drama, isn't it? It's been gripping. Um, yeah, I don't understand. I, I genuinely, I don't understand. Because I thought, actually, the thing that I think I find quite jarring is that my view of Nicola Sturgeon was quite good. Um, I thought she was like a, I thought they were like a professional outfit, the SNP. And that has been proven. I mean, the, the, the leadership thing did somewhat prove that they might have just been like, you know, the Emperor's New Clothes, because they literally had her, and that was it. I hate Alex Salmon. Um, and, I, you know, she went out saying, well, what a feminist I am. Shame she didn't remember it in the years when he was the First Minister. Um, she forgets a lot, doesn't she, Nicola Sturgeon? She's quite forgetful, I've noticed, when asked a question. Yeah, quite Can't forgetful. But I did think she was a professional outfit, and what I find so funny about this whole caper, it's become like a Benny Hill drama, um, is that I just was like, oh, God, they really pulled the wool over my eyes. That's, I think, what I've found. Because uh, they just seem like absolute... It's like carry-on political funding. <laughs> this, the video where she's on the... I haven't seen that. I haven't Man. seen it. I'm going to watch it. The BBC have got it now. See that? You, you can find it on the Sunday Mail website. But, but it, she's sort of at an angle at home, just kind of on the thing, going, think very carefully. But, I mean, imagine if Keir Starmer was like on a similar go, think very carefully <laughs> about asking the NEC about our funding, because there aren't any problems with it, all right? Be like, Immediately. That's like, don't press the red button. Yes. <laughs> it's just such... And obviously someone's going to film it. It's just so... I mean, in a way, like, yeah, I think a lot of people feel the same as whatever people thought of the politics. This all just seems very strange. I, 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 I gave her the credit of being a, a, you know, an operator, actually, a real operator. I mean, and, you know, actually, maybe when this all comes out in the wash or whatever happens, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll rebuild some of that because, you know, she's been in politics for so long. Um, and, like, she's put in a shift and she was good at, at the politics of it, without doubt. If you attack Nicola Sturgeon, it's like you're directly attacking, attacking the salt air. It's like, yeah, no, look, I don't hate Scotland. I just don't agree with you. Um, and that, 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 what a blinding job she did of that. But yeah, I just, I'm, I'm flabbergasted by how easily, it, like, like, you pulled the thing and the whole jumper fell off. Like, you pulled one thread and the whole thing fell apart. Sounds like one of those books. Yeah. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Whipped. <laughs> whipped. <laughs> whipped. Exclamation mark. But you've got to say it like this. Whipped. <laughs> so someone's got the onomatopoeic... Yeah, whipped. ...rider's crop. Yeah. Um, you know what? It's odd. I always think of Julie Cooper, not that I have these conversations often, but I remember there being a poster for... I think it was called Riders. Yeah, Riders, yeah. There's one called Mount. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember even as a kid seeing it at Nottingham train station. And to this day, I can see that. Front bottom of riders, bottom, but yep. with a hand just on the bottom. Yeah, like... I know it. I remember I was at like primary school age. I was like, I shouldn't be seeing this. <laughs> oh, look at you! But do you know what I mean? Even as a kid, I was like, oh, hands on bottoms. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it felt wrong to a train station platform. And then all the all right, Mary White. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it did feel, you know. Yeah, but that that's that sex sells, man. <laughs> She's got a big house in the country, thanks to that. And, and are they good books? 
Ginny Cooper, mm. absolutely brilliant, and a bit of Jackie Collins. Although I was on holiday with Thailand once uh, with my mate Marcella, and she just picked up a Jackie Collins. Um, you know, when you get books when you're staying in like hostels and stuff. And uh, we moved on to the next place, and she got all the way to the end of the last three pages. We were missing, <laughs> gutted, oh. gutted. Barbara Cartland's not so good, but I feel like I should stick up for her because she's from Birmingham. And she's kind of like the... What would she she's do? like the queen of yeah. uh, the original sort of trashy. Lennon and McCartney of... Yeah, she's Lennon and McCartney. <laughs> of, uh, I was in Cartland House at school um, because her family lived on the estate where my school was, uh, which is literally an estate now. <laughs> like a council estate. But it's great that that, that, get, that give you a love of lifelong <laughs> learning. Of, yeah, of, of raunchy novels. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but don't you worry, if you're reading like a... something that is raunchy... Mm -hmm. And a constituent sees you, or...? I don't mind. Don't My mind? constituents don't expect me not to have sex. Well, no, but like, if you're reading it, they're like, I saw you reading that mucky book. I read on a Kindle, for a start-off, but... Um, Clever. Yeah, but no, 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 I wouldn't... I wouldn't be at all bothered. I mean, I talk about absolutely deeply personal things with my constituents all the time um, to try and put them at ease uh, a lot of the time. Uh, no, 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 I wouldn't be embarrassed. We talk about all sorts. I'm a, I worked in sexual health for a long time. I, I, you know, I worked in a rape crisis centre. I know how to talk about difficult things, so see me reading a slightly smutty novel. <laughs> Fine. Well, let's talk about all sorts. Let's uh, open up the floor. Uh, if you've got a question for Jess, please indicate clearly. I'll come to you. Uh, one sentence questions and one sentence answers, please. Uh, so, uh, uh, yes, the lady over there. Hi, uh, um, a It's totally regular, I'm afraid to say. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say... I'll repeat it just so that okay. uh, it feels a horrible thing to have to repeat, but uh, your mother's trying to get the man who was convicted of assaulting your younger sister. It is two doors down. Found guilty, but given a suspended sentence, is allowed to stay two doors down. How old's your? She was fourteen. Oh, she was 14 how did you feel about the attack ad? It is like you know. This is the reality of the situation. Is that people <laughs> do not go to prison for because we expect women to take a certain level of abuse. Take one for the team. Um, it's terrible. Uh, my advice to you would be, um, I mean, it's very, it's relatively complicated and depends on the tendencies of both of the things involved, but I'm more than happy to speak to you afterwards and, and uh, to help in your case. Um, the, I mean, the system, the, the trouble is, the truth in this, the actual system is that if that person owns that house, there's nothing you can do about it. You can have restraining orders and non-molestation orders uh, put in place. They're not worth the paper they're written on. They don't come with arrest powers. Uh, I know people who've... I don't mean to say this juice is sounds alarming, but who've been shot uh, by the person that they had restraining orders on. Um, so, you know, like... I mean, I've got, like, a whole lever arch for all of them. I'm like... Because I had to make a fall, because when I got my first one, I thought... Where do you put your restraint? I don't really want to put it by the kid's birth certificate. Uh, like, you know, like, here's my sonogram from when my kids were little. 
Here's a man who's violently tried to kill me. Um, so I've got a special file. It's now full. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's this... I cannot express enough how criminals have greater rights than victims. Like, that is... And there would be people who work in the law who would absolutely sit and argue the toss with me on that, and they'd have every right to do that. But, you, I mean, for a start off, you don't, you don't get... You know, you're not party to the case that you're part of. You are literally evidence. That's all you are as a victim, you're evidence. You're evidence in a case for the Crown. The Queen... Oh, no, not my Queen. God rest her. Um, uh, the King is more involved in it than you are. You are evidence and you are treated as such. And that's the problem. And then afterwards, like, you're not allowed to know when people are being released, but they know where you live. Like, I'm not saying that I think we should have rough justice. Like, I'm just saying that the system feels for victims to be totally stacked against them with regard to their rights and what they can and cannot have in the system. That it's a miracle anybody comes forward. Because actually, once you go through the system, you'd be like, wish I hadn't bothered. Um, but unfortunately, the likely thing where we will end in this case is, unless he is a council tenant, and even then it's going to take a year, you can't, there's nothing you can do about it. So what happens in these cases is your family will move. Yeah. Yeah. You will move. Like, women move out. Like, we're, you, we're the work of being a victim... It's labour. My um, husband um, calls it safety work. Like, women are expected to do safety work um, that men aren't expected to do in the same way. And it came from, like, when Sarah Everard was killed and everybody was saying, oh, you know, we text each other when we're leaving the pub and we, like, you know, I, I, I was like that. I think about what I'm going to wear. I think about whether I'll be able to run. I think about, like, where who I'm going home with and the journey that I'll take. And he said, God, I've never once thought about a single one of those things. And he said, if you had all the time back that you uh, had put in and the level of detail that you've gone into, he said, I could have made a perfectly passable feature-length stop-frame animation film. <laughs> <laughs> That's the detail it's taken me, like moving Wallace and Gromit, like that mm -hmm. much. Uh, so that he was like, that might have been a good film. I could have watched that and now I've been deprived of it because women have to do it. We'd be so much more productive if we didn't have to do free safety work and your family are going to have to do that because the state won't do it for you. Sad, isn't it? Sorry, that's... Uh, no, but you come and find me afterwards and I will help you. Um, can I just ask you, how do you feel about Labour's campaign then? Do you feel that it's inappropriate or do you think... Do you like it? Somebody, somebody said to me, the trouble is it gives them licence to do it. I thought, oh, you think they've been waiting for licence? <laughs> Jesus Christ, I've been accused of all manner of things. Absolute disgrace. Uh, yeah, they, 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 yeah. It, 
What I'd say is if you didn't like it, it wasn't for you. Not, not you personally, I'm not saying that to you personally. Yeah, you and your terrible sad story. I'm now going to start having a go at you now. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the people who didn't like it, right, it wasn't for them. The Labour Party has a responsibility to reach a different audience. And you can hope, like, that everybody... You know, we're not in some, like, on a charabang holiday with everyone who lives down your road. We have to win the country. I'm afraid to say that doesn't come for free. That doesn't come without you getting your hands dirty sometimes. I, I, I couldn't be more fine with it. <laughs> I don't know if I could express that anymore, but uh, I understand that people are conflicted and I don't know how you and I'm not going to troll you on the internet uh, and say that, you know, horrible things about you because That's you seem great. lovely. That was a great question, thank you. Okay, uh, yes, gentleman in the middle. Yeah. Okay, how's it going to play out with um, photo, photo ID. ID, specifically these local elections, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. Look, the 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 general the the, the thing is is that the uh, the local elections are not uh, happening in a big way in big Mets. So um, in like Birmingham, London. So I I don't think we're going to see the full of like high populous areas, uh, the full uh, nature. And I say that um, just because of the number of people who go and vote. <laughs> like, um, I think literally logistically, like the Dover thing, it's going to be. That, that There's a logistical thing like, if you have to check people's passports at Dover, there's going to be a queue for 19 hours, like, doing. <laughs> like somebody could have noticed that, I feel like. That was obvious that that was going to happen, the transport secretary. Uh, so there's going to be a logistical problem that happens in a general election that won't necessarily happen in a local election just because of the nature of the volume. Uh, do I th Look, I think the Tories have shot themselves in the foot a little bit with it because actually, uh, I'll, I'll level with you, I think that they did it to try and stop certain people voting and by certain people I think... Uh, you know, uh, large portions of the migrant community in our country. I, I, you know, that, that is what it seems like to me. Um, and that's because, once again, they've, they don't live in the same planet. Like, there isn't... I, I represent a community, a large Muslim community, British, Pakistani, British, Bangladeshi. There isn't one of them that doesn't have photo ID. They do have it. They have it. They have biometric cards. They have, I mean, that they go in and out of the country. <laughs> Do you know who doesn't go in and out of the country? Farmers from Lincolnshire. <laughs> It'd be so funny if that's what. I cannot wait! <laughs> that's what wins Labour the yeah. next election, second. Basing this on an actual case study, so uh, a bloke who works in my office, his his uh, his uh, partner, her family, uh, they've literally, no, I don't think they've left Lincolnshire. Um, they uh, like they run a farm in Lincolnshire, and he's just like, well, he, he his father-in-law's just said, I'm not going to vote because he doesn't have any photo ID. I, I I think you know it's a stupid policy uh, answering a question that doesn't exist. 
Um, but look, I think I think it's going to hurt them as much as it might hurt the Labour Party, actually. But what it is going to do, what worries me most, is the chaos it's going to cause, like the Dover thing. That's why you should vote first thing in the morning. Yes, vote early, not often. <laughs> Get up early. <laughs> Put your nice red tie on. I love to go rosette. and vote. I love to go. I, I mean, you'd think that because obviously I have to work very hard on polling day that I would get a postal vote. But I, I really, I love the ritual of walking to the polling station with my husband. Although my kid once accidentally voted UKIP because I let him do the thing. <laughs> and it was the top one. But you know, you can just go and get another ballot. I didn't know that. But in future, if you make a mistake, you can just go and get another one. Uh, but you can also just cross it out like, and just say, sorry, whoops, that was a mistake. And we read that uh, when we're looking through the ballots. So you're all right. Um, but I like to go and vote. I like it, although I'm hidden on the register now because of my security, and it does cause a massive rigmarole at the, where I end up having to shout my address out repeatedly in public. So I, I feel that that was the road to hell is paved with good intentions moment. I think I voted for uh, redacted. <laughs> Guess that's Jess Phillips. Um, okay, one last final question from the woman in the middle. Oh, God. Oh, great question. What's going to happen in Islington North? Oh, I don't know anything about Currently Islington. Currently held by uh, Corbyn. Corbyn. I got in a lift with him earlier. Um, Hang on, you got in a lift or you got a lift with him? No, I got in a lift. No, okay. actually, I was in a lift and he got in it. Okay. Actually, to be completely accurate. However, I thought that he'd seen me and my friend Holly um, it, and then, like, he lit... We're, we were on the first floor of Portcullis House and he was in the basement. Now, the lift, I know this because my husband's a lift engineer, is a down collector. So it, it gravitates to the ground even if you've pressed it up. It will go to the ground first and pick it up. So some lifts do do that? Yes, they do. <laughs> I knew it! I knew it! Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just, a, just a computer. It's like a key. that You know the key thing, you see? It's just turned so that, that it's... Because you go it's, down there, you're like, well, who pressed the button down it's here? Its priority is down. So if someone down there presses it, it will always go down before it goes up. Anyway, uh, this is a amazing. bit of lift-based technology for you. <laughs> um, and from my manly husband. Um, <laughs> and then, so Corbyn was down there, and I think he was expecting us to walk out of the lift because he also doesn't know this about the down collection. <laughs> and when we didn't, he just stood there and the doors shut. And it was like he'd seen me and Holly in the lift and thought, I'm not fucking getting in there. <laughs> But it wasn't, he was like, through the thing, are you not getting out? Like, he was being polite. And we were like, no. And, he, and then I explained the down collect, collecting lift <laughs> to Jeremy Corbyn in the lift. Um, so I explained, yes, I explained that to him. Um, uh, and we'd had some other lift-based chat, uh, which was quite awkward. We didn't really know how many of us to talk about. No, Islington, sorry. Um... What do I think is going to happen? OK, I think there's one of two scenarios. I think Jeremy Corbyn won't stand as an independent. Um, because, I mean, if I was him, I wouldn't bother. I mean, I'd be tired. He loves, like, the Chagos Islands or Venezuela. Yeah. He could just go on holiday. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'd, I, I don't want to be an MP when I'm Jeremy Corbyn's age. Not at all. So, I mean, that would be the best suggestion uh, to me. The other thing that I think will happen is that he will run as an independent in Islington North, and I think he'll lose. Because it doesn't matter how famous you are, 
or liked you are or what a good MP you are. It doesn't matter. Like, people don't vote for Jess Phillips. And anyone who thinks, and Jeremy Corbyn, I'm almost certain, does think this. Anyone thinks that those people are voting for you out of some sort of personal preference is in the wrong game. They're voting for something better for the country as they perceive it and the badge that does that the most on that particular day. Like, your personal vote counts for at a push. If you're a good MP, your personal vote counts for about 2,000 votes. At a, and that matters in the margin. That absolutely matters in the margin. Um, but, you know, it, it, it doesn't make any difference. People aren't voting for me. And that, like... So I don't, yeah, I think, I think there's plenty of people arrogant enough to think that they could win. Well, Jess, mm. I think that all credit to Keir Starmer <laughs> for saying, sorry, mate. You're right. <laughs> Sling it. <laughs> Such a wild comparison to Johnson, who let everybody just get away with everything. And Starmer has made his view clear and he's stood up like the leader that he yeah, woo! So you're, <laughs> lady! So you're, you're pleased that Corbyn won't be the Labour candidate. I mean, would, let's say Corbyn does stand as an independent, right? It would, the intense focus on that seat would be insane. There'd be you know, a lot of media coverage. You know what I think it'd be really funny is if then George Galloway stood as well. He loves the media circus! He loves the circus, that George Galloway. I would love to see Galloway The fish finger Cor guy, the bucket man. <laughs> Get him all there! To see Galloway, Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> You and your imperialist pigs. <laughs> too long. This is the Islington Spring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a joy that would be. Um, all phenomenal questions. Ladies and gentlemen, before we thank uh, Jess Phillips, please, a round of applause for yourselves. It's been such a wonderful audience tonight. It's been fantastic. To everyone here at the Duchess Theatre and at Avalon, including Joe for sorting out the sound, for making sure everything runs smoothly. This has been an absolute treat. So this is our last show. Enjoy the coronation. Uh, enjoy the local elections. Because there's usually only a fortnight, because it's a month, I feel like. Oh, there's going to be a lot like going on. Term, I'm like, oh, God, I'm not going to see you for a month. So um, just have a great life, guys. And, uh, <laughs> I'll be back here, little old me, in a month's time. Um, but please, a huge thank you, Jess. You are always amazing. Tonight has been even more amazing. Jess Phillips! Well, there we go, Jess Phillips. Now, we all know what a bodice ripper is. And who knows? Who knows what literary future awaits Jess Phillips? Maybe wit will be in the uh, in all good bookshops uh, for this Christmas or maybe even next Valentine's Day. Uh, what a phenomenal night that was. And some brilliant questions from the audience as well. Thank you to everyone who came and uh, come to a future show. David Blunkett is the next one, 22nd of May. Then Philip Hammond, Margaret Beckett, Joe Lysett. Thank you for downloading this. Please leave a five-star written review. Tell all your pals about it, and I'll see you soon.